try to be vegan in Scotland, for example, or like in Canada. Like, okay, let's remove like the modern food system and think about how that would work. Like it just wouldn't. It's, it's literally impossible. But if you're living on the equator, if you're living, you know, it's going to be way, way easier because you've got access to plants all year round. So just understanding like your environment um, and how that obviously plays a role because at the end of the day, with our genetics, 30% is fixed-ish. And then 70%, the rest of it, is based on epigenetics. So genes switch on and off based on our environment. Hello and welcome to Lewis and Kyle Show, an interview podcast where my friend Lewis and I interview entrepreneurs and investors in just about every category, from real estate to crypto to internet content creation. We've done it all, and we've done it from a little bit different of a twist because Lewis and I are not your classic 40, 35-year-old internet entrepreneur already. We are young. We're both in our early 20s, 21, 22, around that area. And we're asking questions from the perspective of that sort of person until we get different sorts of answers. Today, we have another great guest, one of probably 85 now, something like that. We've been going for quite a while at this, and you're going to really enjoy it. Lewis, who do we have today? This episode is with Tom Merrick otherwise known on the internet as the bodyweight warrior. Tom is a YouTuber and content creator in the bodyweight athletic training niche. So that's some gymnastics, that's some yoga, uh, and then also just kind of applied flexibility for various sports. He also gets into the nutrition aspects, the sleep aspects, just everything to be a top performer specifically in, you know, the bodyweight components of athletics. He joins us in this conversation to just answer all of our dumb questions about bodyweight training, about how he's grown his channel to be so large, how he's grown his following, how he's making money, some of the other projects he's creating, and the things that Kyle and I are probably doing wrong in our health that we could quite easily correct if we just followed his advice. I think there's a lot of value for anyone interested in improving their health in this episode, and I'm excited for you to listen to it. So without further ado, I'm going to switch over to the episode with Tom right now. Tom, welcome to the Lewis and Kyle Show. I'm glad you're joining us today. Cool. Thank you guys for having me. Absolutely. I've been watching your videos for a long time. I'm a big fan of calisthenics, bodyweight training, and just a lot of the other aspects of your channel because I know it's not just limited to that. So I'm excited for this conversation. Yeah, Let's start out. Uh, you train much calisthenics yourself. You know, I'd call myself a solid intermediate calisthenics athlete. So very pretty advanced nice. flexibility. So you know, full splits, full front splits, and then decent handstand work, and then you know, but I don't have like can't do like twenty five pull ups consecutive, but decent skill set, backflip. Damn, full splits is uh, is impressive. I would I would say that I want a, a live demonstration, but <laughs> we'll let you off. Uh, then, uh, yeah, I'm on a standing desk. It might be difficult to get the angles right with everything. Uh, middle splits, I still got, you know, that gap's quite difficult to close those final two to three inches. Mm -hmm. But yeah. yeah, that's about where I am. But let's start with, with your story. Uh, you know, maybe around the time you're 18, how do you kind of progress into becoming a calisthenics YouTuber and entrepreneur? Like start with like 18 and kind of walk quickly to, to where you are now. So we have some context. Sure, I, I'll try and keep it brief because I feel like the backstory stuff isn't isn't always the most exciting. Or certainly, mine isn't particularly exciting. Um, I I started training because I got a bit chubby. Basically, wasn't wasn't a, a huge fan of of how I was feeling and how I was looking. I feel like probably something a situation that many people find themselves in around eighteen, nineteen, twenty, even perhaps later on. Uh, so I originally got into training more out of aesthetic reasons. Um, and did some bodybuilding, did some powerlifting. Um, and then I actually, uh, I had mono, uh, or it was, you guys call it mono. We call it glandular fever. Um, so I was, I got that when I was in university college and that kind of wiped me out. Basically, I think at that point I'd been training for like two years and I, I basically lost like two years worth of gains in the space of like three or four weeks. Cause I was sort of, you know, just like absolutely wrecked from that. Um, and that was at the point at which I got into bodyweight training because the, the GP, the doctor was like, you can't really go back into training. You've got to be careful because of fatigue and all these sort of things associated with, with mono. Uh, so I was like, oh, bodyweight training will be easy. I'll do some bodyweight training. Uh, and, and how wrong I was that bodyweight training isn't, as I'm sure you mentioned, isn't particularly easy. Certainly when, when you take it to the more of the uh, advanced movements. So really I kind of just got lost 
uh, in that whole thing. Uh, when I was at college, there was the Great Britain sort of national gymnastics team were training at the, the, the university I was at. So, you know, I, I started getting into bodyweight stuff, the planche, the front lever, uh, which are skill moves for those that don't know. And I was like watching these guys that had been doing it for, you know, 15 years and were just like, professional gymnasts are on a superhuman level of, of strength, ability, coordination. So my, my expectations were immediately ruined. Um, but yeah, needless to say, uh, I got quite distracted at uni. I still finished my degree, which was not in sports science. I actually did industrial design. Uh, and instead of uh, getting a job, I worked briefly as a, a web designer. Uh, and then I was like, oh, I'll just, uh, you know, I started making YouTube videos as I was getting into this. And I think at the time I had maybe like 5,000 subscribers when I left university. Um, and I was like, stuff it. I, I haven't got anything to lose. I was still like living at home with my parents, like most people from finishing college um you know I'd, I'd give it a go for six months if i can make some sort of like income month to month and 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 figure something out then i'll keep going if not i'll get a i'll get a normal job and and just do that and yeah well I, <laughs> it worked out worked out pretty all right in the end and um yeah i guess i guess we're here now i don't know how long i've been doing this as a job maybe like i want to say like five years but might be less might be more I'm not sure <laughs> awesome uh yeah i've been seeing your channel for maybe I've been probably training calisthenics. I mean, I did gymnastics like as a kid from like maybe seven to 11. Uh, but you know, I've progressed past the points in adulthood. Like I'm better than I was then, if that makes sense. Cause like, I, mm -hmm. you know, it was like a child didn't take it very far. Uh, it is like you said, the, the expectations piece of calisthenics is one of the most difficult things that new beginners run into. And Kyle and I were discussing kind of before the podcast that neither of us have extremely tr clear training goals at the moment. And we were wondering kind of two part question, what your personal training goals are at the moment, like kind of what skills are on your skill set is like what you're trying to achieve next that you can't quite do. And then how you approach, you know, cause I know you're also a coach, not just a content creator, you know, helping people set training goals that are realistic and not so absurdly difficult to never get there, but they'll actually make athletic progress and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, I feel like this one, you know, it's much the same as, as as anything in life, right? Like, if you're, you know, you guys are obviously business minded. I mean, talk about business, like, okay, maybe I want to earn six figures a year, I want to earn six hundred thousand. Like, you have these clear, defined goals, um, and certainly, like, there's there's no doubt that people also end up with unrealistic expectations in that realm as well. So it's just it's just human nature at the end of the day, like anything else. Um, I think probably the most important thing, um, I'll answer the question about just training goals in general is like you want to do something that excites you at the end of the day like there's no like unless you feel like really genuinely excited about go, get, achieving something then really you're not gonna have the the motivation to get like the long-term motivation because ultimately all of these things all of these skills uh, they're, they're long-term goals like i've been training handstands like six years now i think maybe longer uh and certainly when i when i got the one-arm handstand that was a big goal of mine it was like three years of handstand training before I started training one arm and then probably two years of like 10 to 15 hours a week, you know, consistent training of just one arm handstand uh, to get that. And it's like, you know, if I really wasn't enthralled or excited about achieving that goal, like I would have given up way, way, uh, you know, it's a grind. Um, certainly, to be honest with you, if I didn't, if I didn't, I don't know, if I didn't make the content like as a job, if I didn't, certainly that helped me be more accountable, like sharing the fact that I was trying to achieve this movement, like putting it out there. Um, even like on a more individual level, you could just like tell your friends, be like, ah, oh, I want to do this. Like I want to, you know, having some form of accountability is um, hugely important. But yeah, certainly like it has to excite you. Um, and then in terms of like being realistic, um, I would say like it's good to aim for the lofty, like the, the high end goals. Um, but then you just need to like break down and give yourself some process goals along the way because you know if you're working something for like maybe it's going to take you four or five years to achieve something it's just like you'll get maybe like six months in and you'll be like ah oh, this kind of sucks like what's the next thing um so if you give yourself like little things to hit along the way uh kind of break down that goal you know maybe somebody who wants to work on the plant for example so the plant would be like a basically a thing of a push-up position but the feet are elevated on the floor so you're hovering on that two arm position, ridiculous movement. Uh, you know, we can break that down. We can do like, okay, you know, a press the handstand. It's a pretty cool movement to do. It's a lot more achievable, kind of works the same sort of strength. It's something to do on the way towards it. So that's kind of how I would say, you know, it's the same thing for anything in life, like break it down, 
find some process goals, find something along the way that's going to keep your motivation motivation there. Um, and yeah, if, if you're really excited, you're, you're definitely going to be committed to it. Are there any goals for you right now that are still five oh, sorry, to yeah. six years out? Um, I don't, I don't know really. So the, the one I'm hands on as said was a big one for me. Um, and I can't like, it's one of those ones that you, you probably wouldn't understand unless you train handstands, but it's, it's really, it's really freaking hard. Um, and it was, uh, definitely like it was, it's the, you know, there's the Einstein quote, which is like doing the same thing over and over again is the, and expecting different results is the definition of insanity. But like that is handstands. You have to do the same thing over and over and over again and just keep grinding it out. Um, so that for me, like once I take that off, I was like, cool, I'm, I'm happy now. Like I'm content. Um, and I think that it's important to, not always be grinding towards a goal and like actually take a little bit of time just to be like okay cool i've, I've achieved some cool stuff uh, i'm pretty happy of where i am and like just enjoy that moment uh, and, and play around a bit and have some fun um and that was maybe like a year ago so i kind of had like a chill year i haven't really had any training goals i've just been like training for the fun of it um and then unfortunately i had a, an infraspinatus tear which is a rotator cuff um tear doing some circus stuff and that has just about healed up now so i'm kind of like ready to take on some more goals which for me is we talked about as the planche um something that's always been quite elusive for me uh there's definitely like an aspect of you need to be short and light and potentially russian to be good at calisthenics um <laughs> and I, I, i'm tall and heavy and definitely not russian so uh it, it, again like that for me is, is is very similar to the one i'm like it, it's actually the original goal that i started bodyweight training with like I don't know, seven years ago now been up and down made some progress lost some progress fairly recently it's been it's been close but i think probably realistically it'd be another year maybe maybe 18 months to achieve that so that's what i'm sort of setting out on now got another journey you're you're going down yeah. the path for and right? I, I, yeah. I tend to just there's only one goal like i tend to just stick to the one goal uh i think that's generally something that people kind of making a mistake with fitness stuff um they, they'd try to achieve like five or six or seven things at once um mm. business things as well as well of course like just general life stuff like it tends to help anyone you see who's been like insanely successful at either training or life stuff they tend to be like hyper focused on uh, a small fraction of stuff so the one thing right um the one thing so so you sort of like had this moment in college where you were sick and then you lost all of your gains for the last two years and then you find body weight training and like I guess a more holistic approach to just like training in general. And so what were some of your key learnings in that period that like led you down this path that you're on of, of body weight training and, um, and helping others to, to accomplish these same goals? Yeah, so I was I was actually so I, was, I should clarify I was more of like a classic gym bro before I had that like um, illness episode. So I was like kind of you know lots of like kind of energy drinks, um, pre workout, lifting like pumpy weights, all of that sort of stuff. Like that's kind of ego lifting. That's kind of what I was doing beforehand. So I had almost like that experience. Although it's nothing crazy, it's nothing like you know. I've definitely heard some way more impressive stories out there, um, some incredibly inspiring ones. Like it's just pretty standard. Um, but it was a little bit of a realization for me. I was like, ah, I probably need to like take care of myself a little bit better and, and, uh, think about, I don't know, like what makes me feel good, um, rather than, uh, trying to do things because I think it will make other people think that I'm good or look good or whatever. So it was more like a, a switch from doing things for extrinsic motivation to more intrinsic um and and at that time as well I was, I was reading a fair amount of philosophy stuff specifically stoicism and and they talk a lot about you know the importance of stoicism is the development of of the mind as well as the body and how that works kind of concurrently together so really i, I don't know i I, t I guess i went down a more mindful philo philosophical route with my training and, and body weight training just ended up being the tool to kind of cultivate cultivate that I wanted uh, actually to get into some of the, the philosophy underpinning your channel, because I know the warrior, uh, you don't just like say that for the sake of like, it's a cool word and like, it means you fight or like you're, you're tough. Like, uh, is yeah, it's I know. by the, by the Jungian archetype. So can you explain like how that kind of, uh, the motivation of what you mean when you say body weight warrior, cause it's not just like body weight 
tough guy or however you want to construe it. Yeah, and and it often gets misconstrued, right? Which is, uh, it's fair enough. Like people just aren't aware. Um, people think like it's about going being hardcore and like um, other things. But you know, like the so the warrior is uh, from the book or a book by uh, Robert Moore, uh, which is called The King, Warrior, Magician, Lover. And that's to do with uh, these are archetypes of masculine energy. When I say masculine energy, it's not necessarily something that is in men. Uh, masculine would be like the yang. You also have the yin. Everyone, man, man and women, have an aspect of yin and yang, masculine and feminine, uh, to varying degrees within their personality. Um, so the warrior aspect of that is 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 I guess it's really it's, it is an aggressive sort of energy. It's an aggressive um, force. But when we think of aggression, we think of you know like people getting into fights and people being um, confrontational and stuff. Whereas actually, aggression can mean more about doing things with rigor and passion. Um, and, and really like if you want to achieve anything in life, obviously training is important, uh, but just anything in general, like you need to be able to harness that war energy. You need to be aggressive with the things that you're doing. You need to, you know, work diligently. You need to be able to put in that effort. Uh, warriors, are, are also, you know, part of that archetype is, is about being skillful about mastering your craft. Again, that could apply to anything. Training is very much about mastering the craft of bodyweight training is about mastering the craft of your body um it's about doing things for the right reasons as well like a warrior is is, is a protective force right and that you know you're, you should be fighting for your your tribe your civilization whatever it is and it's the same thing like you know you want to be doing things for the right reason am i doing this because i'm motivated by looking good and and the uh subsequent you know validation that i'll get from other people because i look a certain way or am i doing it because you know it's something that really fulfills me um, or is it something that's going to actually benefit me long term for my health? So that's a lot to do with the warrior energy. It's quite broad, I guess. Um, there's there's many other aspects to being to harnessing your your being being mature masculine. So we have a lot of immature masculinity, which is what would be referred to as toxic masculinity. Like actually, mature masculinity is a very valuable thing. It's a guiding force for uh, for many things in life. So uh, yeah, that's kind of what the warrior means. So. Uh, a butchered example so and and as you mentioned so you talked about Jung uh, so Carl Jung is a mid-century philosopher I don't know a philosopher he's probably more of a psychologist um, and I mean some people would say that what he talked about was outdated but you know there's a lot of people who still value his uh, his work I certainly do um, as, as of all of these things like psychology is a massively complex subject um, and and Jung had certainly a, a certain wisdom when it came to it, a certain take on it, and, and I do appreciate that point of view as, as well as many other points of view. Like it's all it's all interesting to explore. But yeah, Jung is Jung is fascinating. Um and this was and he and he talks a lot about, you know, he likes to put break things down into archetypes and, and those archetypes are sort of those expressions of of I, I don't know, personality. You know, there's there's lots of different types, and then and then he'd have within that he'd have shadow forms, which would be like, okay, what does the bad expression of that archetype look like? What's the negative, so the toxic masculinity? So immature versus mature, for example. One other kind of more quippy philosophical aspect of your channel is just kind of the embrace the suck motto. Where did you pick that up, and why you you know why is that one of your your go to kind of phrases in, in teaching in this domain? So it's, obviously it's not my original phrase. I think it's actually used quite a lot in the US military, I do believe. Um, and it's basically just about like, just, you know, uh, dealing with it and, and sucking it up and, and getting on with it. Um, but it kind of just, I think I actually, like I said the phrase uh, when I was uh, having a session with, so one of my mentors is Emmett Lewis, um, massively knowledgeable guy when it comes to flexibility and, and lots of training practices. Um, and... and I can't remember what he said, but it was along the lines of that. And I was like, oh, so you mean embrace the suck was like, you know, I think we we're talking about doing splits at the time. Um, and it's really just like about embracing the suffering, accepting that suffering is part of training, part of life, really. Like, you know, you've got to have that contrast of, of 
uh, unpleasant and pleasant. Otherwise, you don't have either. Um, so yeah, embracing the suck was just like yeah, just understand that like most of the time training is kind of like suffering. It's it's not particularly fun. It's kind of grindy. You spend a lot of time doing fairly boring stuff to achieve those odd goals here and there. They're like they're more like they're they're, they're small points on the whole training start journey. Like if you want to get good at anything, you just go embrace the suck, grind it out, do the work. I think for me, one of the most awful exercises is just quad mobility. Like where that's just one that it sucks the entire time. Anything where you have like your, if you're sitting down kind of a lunge and you have your back foot and it's bent towards you, like a lot of people do this on a couch, for example. So like put one knee on a couch and pull their yeah. foot towards them. And it just, people have never stretched their quads quite well like, like that. And so that one, it's like a 10 second duration is absolute misery. Uh, and you kind of have to be pretty ready to tolerate some terrible, terrible moments to make any progress on that one. That's the first one that comes to mind for me. Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, the the quad's pretty brutal. I mean, quad hip flexor in that regard. Um, the hip flexor is like, it's one of those ones that actually, I mean, it's, it's pretty uh, restricted in a lot of people, partly from sitting a lot and just like, just more that the activities that we do will, will cause... You know, we don't we don't tend to go for a lot of extension at the hip unless we do a lot of like running or um, or just demand flexibility in that way. And then there's also just like the the, the fascia over the hip flexor because obviously the hip flexor is a collection of muscles. Like there's actually lots of layers to that, uh, and it tends to either take you know sitting in a stretch for a long period of time or to take a long time like actually of training to kind of peel back those layers and see some significant change in hip flexors. Um, and then there's also an element of, I'm pretty sure the, the, the nerves or part of the nerves for some of the hip flexors innovate at the same point as the adrenal glands. So there's certainly a link to like stress and, and that area of the body, um, which, you know, obviously can play a part as well. So one question I have for you as someone who I believe makes good fitness content, what is some really bad popular advice right now? that everyone should like not be listening to this could be nutrition this could be training it could be both <laughs> how many haters do i want to make in a, in a video you don't have to call uh, people out by name you know just the, it's the idea not the person i i wouldn't yeah no absolutely um at the moment in my head i i made a video fairly recently as of recording this podcast and that was like on the on the notion of bad form so i i'm like for me personally uh, my thought process is like, okay, how can we move barriers of entry to fitness? Um, so that like, how can we, how can we make it easier and more accessible for people to train? So part of that is like making follow alongs. Like I've never used a follow along on, on YouTube. It's not particularly my preferred way of training, but I know for a fact that it's one of those ways that people find really easy to get stuck into something. And, and I completely understand why, like it's like, you just turn it on, follow, do it. And that's why I make follow alongs. So I know it's like a really accessible form of content. Um, you know, just, just do it. That's the important thing. What grinds my gears is when I see people put up barriers to, uh, barriers to entry for physical fitness. Uh, so that would be like, uh, I don't know, maybe you can't do this movement unless you can do this with perfect form, or you can't do it unless you can do it with perfect form or your, your exercise should look like this. Otherwise you're doing it wrong. And that's just like, it's one of those ones that is more like, it's more for Instagram or more for for social media than anything else like in reality uh how people move is going to vary dramatically from from person to person based on their own individual biomechanics anatomy and and um experience in life like just look at people i mean basically if you watch anyone walk people will walk differently you know you can actually recognize somebody you've known in the past from their walk same with running it, it will be you know, it's very much the same thing, but it, it does vary quite a lot on an individual level. And so does like any movement, pull-ups, squats, all of that sort of stuff. So uh, I'm more into like, okay, let's just do the thing. Doing the thing is more important than doing the thing perfectly. Uh, and yeah, I'm not a massive fan of kind of that side of the fitness content. Um, so I guess that's one. I, I've certainly, I've, I've, I, you know, I've obviously do videos on recommending how to do certain form things so you know you could argue that i contribute towards that but like i'd always say like you know go take it and apply it on an individual level um second would be the lack of transparency when it comes to just taking gear uh, i feel like mm. 
that's actually been quite a lot on the rise anyway in like popular thought process like people like more plates more dates or Derek on more plates more dates um he's he's hilarious but i feel like in general people are getting called out more or there's just more awareness that people are on gear um certainly there's some names that don't admit to it or claim natural when it's extremely obvious that it's not the case and it's just again it's just not a good message it's unrealistic expectation you know people set out on a journey that you know, I, I certainly thought i thought that way when i started i was like oh i, I actually remember my mum saying to me she was like oh you're not gonna get too big are you i'm like no nah, no nah, I'll, 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 I'll stop when uh you know when i get to a good point without realizing like actually everyone i've looked up to was taking various levels of of hormones or or steroids or something and it's like it's just unrealistic you know um so and again it all comes down to the individual just kind of work with what you got and and i guess to you want to become the best version that you want you, you want to develop yourself to the best of your ability not someone else's yeah i think that's a <clears throat> I think that's a great answer. Um, and actually gate tracking, which is like what you're saying about the way that you walk is the number one way that criminals get, uh, identified is because no you're, way. the way you walk is so distinct. And so like out of a crowd, you can see w like what type of person I did hear that yesterday. And so that might not actually be true, but we're going to pretend like it is for, for the sake of the you podcast. Know what? I wouldn't be surprised. Like a hundred percent. I've met people who I haven't seen in like years and I'm like, I can, I can spot them from a walk for sure. Yeah. Um, and so like that is actually something that I think about a lot is just the level of anatomical, like, um, uh, what's the word, like differentiation between individuals and how the, those different preset, uh, anatomies are, are geared toward different, um, like training attributes. And so like, how, how do you recommend that people begin to, to think about their own body? Um, and how, you know, to best go about like training for them. Like maybe I'm not the best for body weight training. Maybe I should be a sprinter or something like that. Like how do you begin to be self-aware physically like that? I mean, obviously looking in the mirror is good, but like, yeah. <laughs> so in terms of like, I guess what you should do, it's like, what, what do you enjoy doing? Mm -hmm. That's the main thing. If you enjoy being good at something, then maybe it's worth trying some stuff out and kind of figuring out what your body tends it's like lends itself to you know you can just look at your physique and then compare it to like olympic athletes like are you five foot six uh like 150 pounds and and built like a tank like maybe you should try some gymnastics you'd probably be pretty good or are you like six foot four and 200 pounds like maybe you should try some rowing or some basketball i don't know like you know if, if being good matters to you then yeah you want to think about it to that level right. otherwise it's like just do whatever you enjoy doing uh, and, and, you know, if you're consistent and, and put the time in, you'll certainly achieve like a reasonable level of proficiency at anything, given a little bit of time, uh, it might, you might not be like world-class level, but you know, not many people are. So that, I think enjoying it is the main thing, especially when it comes to a long-term, uh, aspects, uh, otherwise like understanding your own particular anatomy, some, some things are obvious. So if we're looking at like flexibility, for example, generally speaking, there's a, there's a bit of a phenotype of flexibility. So phenotype means like, uh, not necessarily genetically predetermined, but genetic predisposition. Um, and, and we tend to have strength and flexibility on kind of opposite ends of the spectrum. So like people tend to either be like, they tend to be flexible or find flexibility training easy, but they might struggle to progress strength and then vice versa. Somebody who, who finds strength easy to progress might struggle with flexibility training. And that's like kind of a little bit of a, a genetic aspect to it. Um, if you're lucky, you end up kind of in the middle or like up here, which is like, you're good at both. You know, mm -hmm. we, we're all, we're all, you have to deal with the, the cards that were dealt, but certainly like if you're somebody who finds themselves, uh, who, who naturally gets strong and struggles with flexibility, you want to get flexible, then you need to train your flexibility training, like strength training. So you do. Instead of just sitting and stretching your hamstrings, you're probably going to get more benefit from doing Romanian deadlifts or standing good mornings, like two weightlifting exercises that stretch your hamstrings. Um, or for example, you know, just doing squats, doing split squats, uh, doing overhead press, like train your flexibility in the way that's going to suit what you're generally predisposed to get better at doing. Uh, and if you're more flexible, 
then generally speaking um <laughs> it's a hard one to do it's like you just need to do lots of reps generally uh more time more volume to get stronger it just, it's just one of those things that's harder you know if you're more flexible um generally speaking you're gonna have a little bit less i don't want to say control over your limbs but um it's the wrong word i can't think of the word but generally speaking like you're, you're going to struggle to build strength in the limbs that you're, like you're power in a direction yeah is this a little bit that if you're more if you're more tender to flexibility you're also more tender to instability mm. so that's obviously going to make you it's going to make you it's like you know try, trying to drive a car really fast but with really bad brakes yeah it makes a lot of sense and i think on the other side of this coin while we're on this topic is the nutrition piece which is another thing that you talk a lot about um like so obviously nutrition is i think even more so um predisposed to different sorts of people and how like you know i might be best off with a carnivore diet or as a vegan uh when lewis might be the exact opposite way in terms of just the way that we're built and our phenotype like you're saying um and so like how do you approach the the food part of this and and just how important is food in the um the pursuit of some of these physical training goals yeah i mean that one's that one's massively individual just like even from the perspective of like okay we've got people who are celiac you know if they have gluten they might literally die like saying bread is okay definitely not correct in in that instance um and there's all sorts of things so obviously you've got to consider allergies as massive um and then you've got kind of i guess uh, diets that venture more into the realm of of beliefs and religions which would be you know i mean carnival would fall into that camp but so would veganism um so <sighs> it's it's a very hard one to 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 say cuz I, I, okay, I'll put it this way. I'm not on the vegan camp. I've, I've seen enough evidence to suggest that veganism is not optimal. Uh, and I certainly think that it would be very hard to argue against animal products as a very good source of nutrition, just for a fact they are. They're a very bioavailable source of nutrition. And then you just got to consider human evolution. Like we ate animals and we got here. Like part of the reason we had big developments in the size of our brain is because we started eating meat and we started eating near uh, near sh near shore uh shellfish as well so things like oysters mussels all that sort of stuff so that like that you know you look at the the nutrient composition of oysters or mussels it's huge like it's, it's amazing it's like it's like nature's multivitamin eggs as well fantastic for you um so yeah i i can't i i think ultimately um everyone falls on a spectrum of like you know more plant matter less plant matter uh and and if you were gonna kind of put that into um broad ideas i guess you know you'd have potentially so so uh paul check has uh he's got his primal pattern dieting i think is what he calls it uh and essentially he's got like uh, you've got polar types so you know think of this in, in terms of the region you are in the world you know the further north you go the less plants are going to be available to you uh so so naturally it makes more sense to eat more animal products like try to be vegan in scotland for example or like in canada like okay let's remove like the modern food system and think about how that would work like it just wouldn't it's, it's literally impossible but if you're living on the equator if you're living you know it's going to be way way easier because you've got access to plants all year round so just understanding like your environment um, and how that obviously plays a role because at the end of the day with our genetics 30 percent is fixed ish and then 70 percent, the rest of it is based on epigenetics so genes switch on and off based on our environment so even if you are like you know perhaps from a from a polar region but you're living in near the equator or if you're from like africa caribbean that that that, that equatorial sort of region and you're living somewhere north like actually that's probably going to change those epigenetic factors which are going to then adjust what you should eat so really i think the the simplest way to go about it is like let's just eat seasonal like try to eat roughly what you have access to uh based on where you're living uh, but then but then we get into the whole like okay well actually how naturally are people living yeah most people spend i think it's like less than an hour outside a day 
uh, on average. It's just like actually like what sort of stimulus are you giving to your body if you literally spend no time outside? Like we spend the same time in a temperature controlled room. Like with, uh, the, the light is artificial, which is a massively different spectrum of light. Um, yeah, yeah. There's there's so many different factors here. So uh, for me personally, I think environment's the biggest thing. Like I try as much as possible. Uh, I try to see uh, and Andrew Huberman is a big guy i know he's actually he was recently on the armchair expert podcast as well which is a fun podcast uh i love andrew's work and and also he's very charismatic he's very good at explaining things uh, but he talks a lot about the importance of light uh, and its effects on circadian rhythm which is massively important probably one of the biggest drivers i think of uh, disease in in the western world at the moment uh and it's uh, and basically because like people don't get outside they don't see like if you could do a couple of things to massively change your life, like it would be try to see every day um, low angle of the sun. So that would be sunrise and sunset or like pretty close to that time. Um, and I think you'd see like a massive improvement in your health. Right. There's, there's a lot there. I think that was really valuable. The first thought I had was <laughs> uh, with, you know, I just moved to Nashville from Tennessee or to Nashville, Tennessee from Las Vegas and the native foods in Las Vegas are, are basically non-existent. So I was just trying to think, you know, cause it's just a desert where it's there's, a desert. No walk, there's no life, no anything. So I'm like the, the native food there would just be death, I guess. Like you just die. Uh, so <laughs> I like the idea of eating seasonally, uh, in, in a place that actually, you know, sustains life in a pre-industrial world. Uh, one question. Yeah, I, I think have ultimately that, like it's probably a more sustainable way of eating is like if you can if you're less reliant on like shipping mangoes from africa and you can get some like decent steak from literally like 10 miles away from you like what what's 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 the what's the most sustainable way of eating yeah i've definitely started becoming like i like getting the majority of my vegetables recently from like fermented sources because that's kind of like the same it's not really different anywhere versus like a fresh vegetable that's like sustained by kind of like a more modern preservation means versus like kind of time-tested preservation methods like kimchi or sauerkraut oh i see yeah 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 i mean obviously that makes sense you think about just look at how kind of anyone in, in northern european or obviously north america regions would have existed it's like you know you can't really grow vegetables that well over winter they would have taken a harvest we get a big harvest in autumn the time we're in now and then how do you preserve it? you preserve it you have like root cellars so you have these like dark damp rooms that you could put like carrots potatoes that sort of stuff in um tubers and then yeah you have pickles and like jams another way of preserving stuff uh i think we can add that to the list i think you know you said one of the causes of diseases a lot of people don't recognize is you know just improper light exposure to simple oversimplify it and then another one is just eating the same food year round, like very hardly any non recent example. Could you eat the same thing 365 days in a row or like certain, maybe you could eat sauerkraut 365 yeah, just, days in a row, but like fresh spinach, like you couldn't have that 360 days in a row. No, no. Some and, people and, have like and, green smoothies you know, every single I day. I think nutrition. Yeah. It just doesn't make sense as well. Um, you know, you need, you need some variation use some difference obviously like but nature kind of provides that variation through seasonality um i i don't really have the answer for like obviously perfect nutrition i don't think anyone does realistically um but yeah i just think like certain basic stuff is like probably the closer we can get to living naturally the more healthy you're gonna feel um and i said yeah just like you know having acai bowls when you live in scotland in the middle of winter makes zero biological sense um and, and the light thing is massive as well like obviously the the data on the impacts of poor circadian rhythm uh you know the 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 links between working night shifts and cancer there's a massive amount of evidence that suggests circadian rhythm is a huge aspect of our health um and something that i'm only really like tapping into recently <coughs> Uh, but yeah, certainly like, I think that that aspect is almost more important, uh, than, than what you eat. If you're on audio, Tom's dog just barked. He's been, he's been holding him in his lap. Uh, yeah, she's been girl, sleeping actually. very, very, right. uh, very well behaved for the last <laughs> half an hour, but 
If you want to see the dog, go to Tom's Instagram. Super <laughs> cute. Totally worth the, the five seconds it's going to take you to do that. Um, yeah. yeah and okay. also shout out. Definitely shout out Andrew Huberman. Um, I think his first two podcasts on his new podcast, the Andrew Huberman podcast, talk a lot about uh, what Tom's talking about in terms of like that low uh, low angle light and and how it impacts your your brain and what kind of receptors it sets off inside of your uh, inside of your eyes. All super cool stuff. Really interesting um, and well produced podcast. Yeah, I, I like to leave that explanation to him because he's a guy who actually knows what right. he's talking about. Like, I, I feel like I understand it in application, but theoretically, I'm, I'm probably lacking a lot of knowledge. Yeah, we know well enough to know to send you over to him is what we <laughs> yeah, exactly, have established. Exactly. Right. Well, I think that we can transition into what Lewis and I call our bonus round, which is just some more rapid fire sort of off-topic questions. Um, so... Tell us a little bit about your, your DIY real estate. What kind of projects have you done? What kind of projects are you doing? Uh, and sort of what led to, to you diving into um, a seemingly unrelated business to what you have been doing for the last few years? So it's, it's somewhat multifactorial. So there's um, the first aspect is it's something that I am passionate about. So I actually originally applied to study architecture at university. And then uh, I decided to switch kind of last minute to industrial design, which is more of like a pure design degree. So it's a little bit more broad. It's more about like design of maybe like product spaces, experiences, uh, whereas, you know, architectures, you can only design houses. So it's more like I wasn't necessarily set on becoming an architect. So I wanted to get, and I didn't really fancy doing a course that lasted seven years as well. Like seven years is a long time. Like I'd only, I'd only just have qualified like a couple of years ago or something. So, um, I ended up doing that. Um, the second part is I enjoy it. It's massively fun. It's very much the same as, as training or really anything like, you know, it's, you have to take time to understand it. And then it's a bit of a grind and it's like kind of, you know, once you finish a project, it's the same as, you know, achieving any goal that you've set out to achieve. Um, so I enjoy that aspect of it. And third is like, I don't know how long I'm going to be able to be a YouTuber. I'm very aware that I could become irrelevant like in six months time. And I have no intention of trying to like grasp onto that. Like I absolutely love what I do. I'm very grateful to be in the position that I'm in, but as soon as I'm not needed, I will go do the next thing. Um, so I'm sort of trying to learn as much as I can when it comes to that aspect, something I, I know I enjoy doing. Um, housing is something that people are always going to require. So, you know, this is a pretty solid option. Um, and, and yeah, like I, I, I guess for the last two and a half years, I've sort of been slowly learning and, and understanding more. Um, the, the first sort of project I did was on the first house that I bought. So I, I just like slowly renovated it, um, starting with easier stuff, like, you know, obviously like painting, maybe some new flooring, and then eventually progressing to fitting a bathroom, uh, fitting a kitchen basically by myself, minus uh, the plumbing aspect of things. Uh, and then I've recently also purchased a flat separate to that, which was, or an apartment, which is purely for a renovation, uh, which is coming to an end. And, and that was like the first project I've done that I haven't lived in. Uh, and that was a massive learning curve as well. And yeah, about to start the third project, which is, uh, so I recently sold my house cause you know, I lived in it, renovated it, sold it, uh, and then moving on and, and, and now going to move on to the next one. So is that the model is you're, you're going to sell that apartment, that flat, and you're going to continue to just add value and then, and then sell, or are you looking to buy and then hold and rent out? So at the moment, uh, I'm just buying to sell. Uh, and part of that is to do with the difference between like the U S and the UK in terms of laws on rental. Mm -hmm. Certainly in the U S I know it's way more advantageous in terms of like taxation for, for landlords, uh, in the UK, they've done quite a bit to make it less desirable. Uh, and ultimately, you end up having quite a lot of money tied up, not making like a 6% return is pretty good. Mm -hmm. um, and you think about like, okay, if I have some stocks or if I have like, even if I just put some money in a broad index fund, I should get like uh, what annualized like there's eight to 10% a year you know, from doing nothing and I don't have to own a house or do anything else. So it's like, it, it, it's just one of those things that renting is, is more complicated. Whereas if you, if you do the flipping and you're smart about it in terms of like what you buy, how you do it, 
you can make good money in chunks. Um, certainly the model that I do, so in, in the UK, um, you don't pay capital gains, which is uh, like a tax on you know investments. Yeah. Um, if you on on the property that you live in, so you have like your primary residence. So if I live in a property for a year and I renovate it and I sell it and make I don't know thirty thousand pounds, fifty thousand dollars or whatever, I don't have to pay tax on that. Um, That's huge. So, uh, and and I can use that to maybe reinvest in the house. I can buy a bigger house to potentially flip and make more money, or I can use it to pay off my mortgage, etc. So the intention is kind of like to buy somewhere that I want to live in um, and and enjoy. But uh, you know, can can make some money on whilst living there, basically. Mm-hmm. Well, I know you have to run here in a minute, so I think we'll just ask one last question. Something that's on my mind right now, and I think Kyle's mind as well, because uh, it's 10 a.m. where we are, and we want our second or third cup of coffee for the morning. Uh, but I know you've gone through a lot of variations <laughs> of how you like your coffee. You know, you were into the MCT oil thing at one point. Maybe it's not too late. Yeah, it's four in the afternoon. I don't know if that's late or not for coffee. But how are you currently taking your coffee? Uh, I'm a massive fan of drip coffee, V60. That's probably like my favorite. Uh, simply because uh, it's a bit more like it's like a good glass of wine, really. It's like it's a bit more complex and there's some interesting flavors. And I like like my uh, my favorite thing in the morning is to like sit down with a cup of coffee and read for like 30 minutes something like maybe thought provoking or interesting or, or something that I'm finding like particularly interesting at the time. Um, and if I'm making like an espresso coffee, like a flat white or, or something else, usually that would be drunk in like five minutes or as I can, you know, sit and, and sip on a filter and really enjoy it for like 30 minutes. So that, that's the main reason why, um, yeah, V60 or Chemex is, is, is my top ones. I haven't done bulletproof coffee in a long time. Uh, it did, work like it was useful i used to do it kind of if, if i knew i had like a busy day maybe i wasn't gonna get the chance to eat or i didn't want to eat because uh, i like could rather just do other stuff uh, i know i could like do a bulletproof coffee and it would kind of be i guess a bit of a hack to to kind of feeling full and and you know push, maybe not having to eat until 4 or 5 p.m or something but i haven't done that for a long time now well tom we've really enjoyed this podcast uh i know you got to run somewhere else where should we be sending people if they want to follow along and stretch with you or you know learn from any of the other things that you're putting out yeah i mean obviously youtube is the the best way it's the free way just just search my name tom merrick or bodyweight warrior uh it will come up uh, i also post on instagram kind of sporadically and if you want some puppy spam there will be puppy spam until they're a normal dog then there'll be dog spam uh, on instagram and then if yeah if you want to um if you want some programs or whatever i have an app uh, which i work alongside and help to design called tribe uh, which i think now is used by quite a few fitness people as well which is awesome to see so yeah those those are the main places to great well thank you so much and that wraps up our conversation with tom always great to talk to people who are so dedicated and so on top of their stuff Uh, My three quick takeaways, number one is the base layer is setting goals that the pursuit that when you pursue them, you will enjoy yourself. And so if you're, you know, not wanting to be a football player, but you're like, okay, I want to win the Super Bowl, you're going to have a horrible time trying to pursue that goal because it's not something that you enjoy. Uh, And so, you know, set goals that the pursuit of those goals is something that you will enjoy. Number two is realizing that things come in phases. Uh, Tom opens up pretty you know, blatantly about how YouTubers don't last forever. And it's just, that's just the way that things are and things go in phases. And, and he realizes that and is open about it and um, will be better in the next phase because of it. And then number three is just the level of commitment that it takes to really accomplish anything worthwhile is like gigantic. I mean, I would think one part in this, he talked about how um, it took him seven years to accomplish one goal. And that's just like a length of time. That's a third of my life in the pursuit of one thing. And I think that that's, um, you know, commendable first of all, and also eye opening because, you know, you realize just how, how much it really, really takes to do the things that, uh, Tom's doing and, and the things that really anybody that's doing anything worthwhile is doing. 
Great stuff. I have a lot of very similar takeaways, but not quite the same perspective on them that you did. First one is similar to what you said about kind of enjoying the work. It's kind of the, the core activity of the activity you have to enjoy. So we're not, you know, having rose colored glasses saying that, you know, for Tom, he loves every part of body weight training. There's a lot of it, as we discussed his motto of embracing the suck, that's terrible, but the core activity of the sport is something he deeply enjoys. Otherwise there's no way you can sustain it for a very long time. Second activity is what you're saying about seasons, kind of the, the, a different way of thinking about that is diversifying even when things are good, right? Because he is saying that, you know, as you said, YouTubers don't last forever, but it's not like his channel's doing poorly right now. It's still growing. It's doing about as good as it's ever done. He's diversifying into, you know, these DIY real estate projects before things are bad. So it's kind of the dig your well before you're thirsty, build your backup plan before you even need it. He's like, I'm comfortable. So it's doing that, you know, before it's too late. And like you said, it makes for an easier transition if, and when it ever, uh, dissolves third takeaway is about the realistic expectations you have to set for a lot of activities. So a lot of the reasons people don't successfully stick with something for a long time is bad expectations. So like for Kyle and I, with this podcast, if we expected, uh, that we were going to be humongous, tens of thousands of downloads per episode. And all we had to do was like publish 10 episodes. Uh, and then we published 10 episodes, realize we don't have nearly those numbers. We would have really been disappointed and probably quit. Whereas we said, you know, let's set 25, decide this is worth doing, continue to and reassess. So the more realistic your expectations are, the less likely you are to experience disappointment. And a lot of the ways to, you know, appropriately set expectations are to speak with people who have done the thing you want to do so they can give you somewhat of a guide. Again, not perfect, but a lot better than whatever you're going to intuitively think on your own. That's all I have to say for this episode. Grateful to Tom as I am all of our guests for joining us for this podcast. Grateful to you for listening to this. If you want to show support, check out another episode in the feed, leave a review on Apple iTunes, subscribe if you're on YouTube. Otherwise, just say hey on Twitter or any other place you think you can find us. It's not very hard if you want to. And let us know what you think of the show and any feedback you may have. Otherwise, we'll be back in roughly one week with the next episode. Have a good one. Bye-bye.